Hello and welcome into a week one recap of the College Football News Podcast. I'm Nick Shepkowski, writing solo on this right now as Pete Futex is going to join me later on in the week as we finish recapping week one, but more looking ahead to week two and the full slate of games on week two. To kind of tell you where we're at time-wise as this is recorded, just for some reference here. Houston just scored for the first time on Oklahoma. 4.58 to go first half in that game. Oklahoma leading 21-7. Jalen Hurts has been damn near perfect in this game. As I start this up, he's 12-13 for 154 yards passing. Has thrown for two scores. Looks nothing short of outstanding. And I think it's safe to say that Oklahoma is going to have its third straight Heisman Trophy winner. Okay, maybe it's a little early to say that, and that's a little bit strong. But I digress. Oklahoma's leading Houston. And if anything changes big time in that, obviously, I'll let you know on it, even though by the time you listen to this, that's all taken care of. Want to give you some early impressions from week one, five, six takeaways, and let you get on with your day. Early games yesterday, I think that I said it to Pete time and time again on here as we were previewing week one, and it only holds further true. I don't trust Florida State. I didn't trust them, and I think it was evidence yesterday Yet again, so many thought it was, oh, it's just fatigue. Oh, it's just a Florida State team that, ah, they ran out of gas and they're not in good enough shape, and that's why why Willie Taggart's on the hot seat. I'm not disagreeing that Florida State ran out of gas. I think it's clear that they did. You blow a lead like they did. But tell me at what point yesterday or what point on Saturday that Florida State was stopping the run with any consistency anyway. I know that was the strength last year, and that was the one thing on a bad squad that you saw in Florida State a season ago that was kind of the redeeming quality of, well, at least they have a good run defense if absolutely nothing else. That run defense wasn't there from the word go yesterday, and had it not been for some just bad Boise State turnovers and some drives that that spun out and sputtered out there in the first half, That game wouldn't have required the big-time comeback. Boise State was running the ball at will in that game. In the first half, even when they weren't finishing drives, they were running the ball incredibly well. And sure, the second half goes all the way of Boise State, and the offense flails out for the Seminoles. But, I mean, that run defense was bad all day long. Boise State committed to it, committed to it, committed to it, wound up with over 200 yards rushing in this game. And for Florida State, it's one that looked like, all right, well, it looked like for about a quarter and a half that things were looking right, and it was looking like Florida State, all right, well, maybe this is going to be an interesting team. All of a sudden, Louisiana Monroe next week, that should be an easy victory. But then at Virginia, Louisville should be an easy victory. North Carolina State's going to be tough. Clemson's going to be tough. On the road at Wake shouldn't be that big of an issue. But with Syracuse, Miami, a trip to Boston College at Florida, as well on this schedule, I that was one that the Seminoles needed, and they needed badly. And now, I mean, you're looking at the sure wins in that thing, and it's Louisville or uh, Louisiana Monroe, it's Louisville, it's at Wake Forest. You probably feel good about it's Alabama State. That's four wins. Where are you going to find the other two wins on this schedule? At Virginia against North Carolina State. I mean, versus Syracuse, that's going to be one you have to steal. It's not looking good at least early on here, for Florida State. That's one that they needed for bowl eligibility, and I think that's going to be a story that you see being covered throughout the year 
and that seat for Willie Taggart just becomes that much hotter with that loss. And what I thought was a run defense that really, the numbers come out to 3.8. I never felt good about that run defense if it wasn't for a couple of turnovers early on in that game. Uh, Iowa State, what are you doing? Oh, my goodness. I guess you avoid the upset and you would avoid complete disaster. Was expecting to see more from Iowa State. I I have trouble when teams don't show up for their first game. I have trouble believing, like, oh, yeah, they're looking ahead, they're looking ahead, and just kind of in survival mode and survive and advance and move on there. I mean, Iowa State taking to triple overtime. Northern Iowa, what are you doing? Why not at the end of second overtime when you score the touchdown, why not go for two? I didn't understand that decision, but hey, Iowa State walks out with a win. Now they get the week off and get ready for Iowa at home against Iowa on the 14th. You survive, you advance, you you walk out with a win in what could have been a disastrous situation for Iowa State. So it could have been worse. It could have been, say, what happened to Tennessee, where you welcome a Georgia State team that lost 10 games into your program or into your house. And the half-full house at the Rocky Top was embarrassed, was laughed off the field, was probably booed off the field at Nayland Stadium. And Tennessee looked clueless. Tennessee looked, I mean, it It would have been an upset. I, I forget who tweeted this, and I don't mean any, like, stealing of content. I truly don't remember who tweeted this. But upsets are like when a team that has no chance goes in and wins. Georgia State was the better team for, for the majority of that game that I watched. And when it came to gut punch time, when it came to... To, to that time of the game, Tennessee didn't have an answer. Tennessee had turnovers. Tennessee had no stops to be found, and they get run off their own field by Georgia State. I didn't have high expectations for this Tennessee team. I kind of had them pegged for, all right, just get back to bowl eligibility, seven wins, maybe best-case scenario, eight wins if everything fell right. I didn't have them losing to Georgia State. They're in the same boat as Florida State now. Bowl eligibility, good luck. South Carolina lets one get away against North Carolina. Uh, watching parts of that game, a couple of takeaways from it. One, if you're not the Red Rivalry, Red River Rivalry, not the Red River Shootout, if you're not that, if you're not Florida, Georgia, get your ass on a college campus. If you're playing an annual um, in or rivalry game, there's no reason that game needs to be played in Charlotte, at least if it was at South Carolina, if it was in Chapel Hill. You would have had some butts in the seats, but a damn near empty NFL stadium does nothing for nobody. So hey, that's my first thought from that. And also, I guess good for Mac Brown. I kind of laughed at that hiring. I thought, oh, that's a, that, what are you trying to accomplish going back in time? I'm not saying North Carolina is even going to be a bowl-eligible team this year. I didn't have them beat in South Carolina. The SEC East is what I walk away with from yesterday, especially kind of looking at and being like, all right, it's Georgia. I wasn't impressed with anything I saw from Florida in week one. They don't look like they're the same team as last year. Now there's room to improve and room to grow off of that. But they look like they've got a long way to go. Uh, SEC East, whether it's Missouri losing, South Carolina losing, Missouri losing in odd fashion and bad fashion at Wyoming, that seems like a division that is, I mean, it is Secretariat at the Belmont. It's Georgia Florida, I need to see a heck of a lot more from as this season goes on because they didn't look impressive whatsoever in their uh, Week 0 win over Miami. And that one was left with left with a lot of frustration towards the SEC East after what was an ugly day, a poor showing, I really thought, from that division of that conference. Um, the afternoon games yesterday, I, I know we touched on Tennessee there a little bit. Uh, Northwestern at Stanford, Northwestern doing the Northwestern thing. 
defense, incredibly physical, incredibly played very well. I mean, some missed tackles early on in that game, but Stanford wasn't able to uh, – they were able to move the ball, but not deep enough to get into field goal range most of the afternoon. Northwestern's defense, as advertised, physical, beat the hell out of you. Their offense, unfortunately, looks much like those Northwestern offenses have the last few years early on in the season where it gives you absolutely nothing. And one of the more interesting, not the most fun-to-watch games of the afternoon, but one of the more interesting games going in, Stanford felt like they were in control. From 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 watching that game, Stanford never felt like they weren't in control, even if they weren't uh, running Northwestern out of, out of the field or out of the, the complex there. It never felt like Northwestern was in control of that ball game. Even when Costello went down with that nasty helmet-to-helmet hit and left, it never, to me, felt like you trusted Northwestern to uh, to to go and on a run and be able to, all right, yep, they're going to go and score here. That offense feels like it has a very, very, very long way to go. And the nightcaps yesterday, I know we mentioned Missouri. Missouri, I mean, I'm looking at the SEC East yesterday, and Tennessee laying the egg, South Carolina laying the egg, and I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, God, Mizzou's going to be a 10-win team. And then they go out and they do what Missouri athletics, at least in basketball and football, have been known for my entire life, and that's not showing up at a big moment. And it's looking like, all right, well, the way this conference and this division of this conference is setting up, this could be a team that challenges 10 wins. Hell, if things fall right, Florida wasn't impressive in Week 0. Missouri, 11, what, 11 wins? Are you talking outside contender to possibly go to the college football playoff? And then they go and they lay an egg at Wyoming and lose that game. What a disappointing loss. I mean, defense couldn't stop the run. You had a couple of turnovers right at the goal line for Missouri as well that did nobody any favors whatsoever. Very disappointed in that Missouri team because that's one that I had. And we spoke about it last week on this podcast, our little preview episode was uh, spent a good three, four minutes dedicated to Mizzou and how it could be a surprise team. There's my surprise for you. Up in flames in Wyoming as the Cowboys take them down. Hats off to the Mountain West. Hawaii's already beaten Arizona. Nevada taking down Purdue on Friday night. That last-second field goal coming back from 17 down to win at the end of regulation. 56-yard field goal as time expired. And Wyoming beating Mizzou. Why don't SEC teams, ACC teams, or Big Ten teams go on the road to take on these teams? Well, you're kind of seeing that. Uh, three games going not the way of those squads. Hats off to the Mountain West for a first weekend. It's been very surprising and very good for them on a national scale. Uh, the late-night game yesterday, USC and Fresno State. I think that's what most eyes were on. JT Daniels, torn ACL, out for the year. I can't help but kind of look at that. I mean, it's terrible for hate injuries at any level, specifically the college level. It just sucks to see see a guy in JT Daniels in this new offense, this pass-heavy offense that so much is going to be asked for him, and he's going to be given the ability to hopefully shine. He goes down with the torn ACL done for the year, and all of a sudden, next week, home against Stanford, and that tough D. At BYU, that's a very winnable game, but then you have Utah, Washington, Notre Dame with the Washington and Notre Dame games being on the road. This is a murderer's row of a schedule all of a sudden for USC. It's a good thing they got the win yesterday, but, I mean, you're looking at what was already a difficult-looking schedule getting that much harder as Daniels goes out. He's done for the year. Uh, Before we get to the go to the game of the day of the weekend, uh, not that it means anything in just week one, but your Heisman ballot, 
if you paid any attention to anything for one week of the college football season, if Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin's not your number one guy right now, then something's wrong with you. You need a new pair of glasses. You need a new television for how you watch games. He was outstanding as the Badgers just stomped all over South Florida. And we had spent some time on this discussions of, like, is that a, secretly a trap game? Is that tough for Wisconsin? What kind of South Florida team are you going to get? No, not whatsoever. And, uh, yeah, Charlie Strong. Oh, boy, things going south in a hurry there. What, he started 6-0 and a season ago at South Florida, and now what do you have? What's working? Things are looking rough as that's a team that, uh, that, that lost their second half of the season all year last year, and they get blown out by a Wisconsin team that, yeah, Wisconsin had something to prove, but 56 nothing. that's an embarrassing and bad loss. Jonathan Taylor, he gets, I guess, if I have a game ball to give out for the week, he's the one that goes and gets that. Clemson rolls earlier in the, the weekend as well, Thursday night, and ETN looking like, hey, guys, remember me? Yeah, it's not just uh, not just Lawrence that is the – is the Heisman contender on this team. Remember little old me who averages like eight yards every time I touch the ball. He's huge in their win over Georgia Tech in runaway fashion. So that's kind of my thoughts from week one and the big one last night. Auburn, Oregon. My goodness. I Things that were just frustrating all over the field in this game. Um, I really thought that Oregon's offensive line was going to start to wear things down on Auburn, and instead, it started fast. It started fast, and it was the defensive line of Auburn that wore out that offensive line of Oregon. They didn't have gas in the second half. They looked like a team that was didn't have the strength to kind of get by Auburn as that game went on, and they shot themselves in the foot so many damn times there early on in the first half. Missed field goals. Uh, Justin Herbert, by the way, for, for being the guy that so clearly was, oh, he would have been the first quarterback taken last year, and I'm not knocking the guy for going back to college. That's not my spot. That's not my position to be. I wouldn't do that. That's his choice. He did it. Okay. Um, I need you to make a big-time throw, though. And at some point in that game, some point last year, too, like the idea of Justin Herbert is great, but the actual execution or his execution of the game is another Leaves you a lot to be desired, and it's a Pac-12 yet again. I told you those two rules that I had going into this weekend. The Pac-12... Big out-of-conference games. I'm betting against them, and that's what you saw. If it wasn't for a backdoor, odd, berserk cover by um, by by Stanford in that game, that's one that you would have seen the out-of-conference games for the Pac-12 go real poorly yesterday as Stanford uh, got, the, got the fumble recovery for a touchdown to end the game against Northwestern, and Oregon every chance in the world in the first half to create some separation and kind of run away with that game. They weren't. It almost felt like you knew Auburn was going to go and win that as the fourth quarter went on. And hats off to Gus Malzahn. I I question what he was doing a couple times in two-point conversions and not going for them. But my goodness, I mean, you watch that game, and there's some big boy throws that, that went on as that game went on. And it was very... I don't think it was like an all-world performance or all out of this. I, Bo Nix makes his debut, had a couple of turnovers in it. It wasn't like an all-world performance by him, but you saw Bo Nix and a couple of the runs that he broke off. Hey, there's your dual-threat quarterback that Clemson, or that, not Clemson, that Auburn is so desirable, desirous of. He goes and he has a nice contest, nice debut game. I mean, you're taking on a top 10, top 15 team in the Oregon Ducks. 
and you go into Jerry World, and I know it's not a sold-out Jerry World, but it's still a big-time atmosphere nonetheless, big-time game for your first collegiate game. Walked away very impressed with him, especially as the fourth quarter went on. A couple of the throws that he made, a couple of the plays that he made, was it the fourth down that he tucked and ran himself and dove for, got by, I mean, the nose of the football by the smallest of margins. But he was there to make a couple of huge plays that final drive, so hats off to him. Can't wait for next week. Uh, we'll be previewing this, I think, on Wednesday night. Pete and myself will be. As it's LSU and Texas, the huge one next week. Clemson, Texas A&M. I know that's a game that Pete's very hot for to talk about. So we'll talk to, we'll get some great guests for you later on in the week as well to kind of preview week two. But this is Nick Shevkowski. That's your week one recap on the College Football News podcast. I don't think you got any, outside if you call Tennessee a huge upset. Tennessee, I don't think, is good enough to be a huge upset by anyone. You kind of avoided the huge, massive upset in week one. I don't think Boise State over Florida State was that big of a deal, that big of a shocker. Really don't. So you avoid the huge upset in week one, but it didn't mean there wasn't entertaining and some damn exciting football along the way. We'll be back later in the week, but there's your week one recap. It's Nick Shepkowski on the College Football News Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, to rate, to share this with any of your college football fan friends as well. And we'll continue to do it as often as possible all college football season long, all year long on the College Football News Podcast.